This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you don't sit in your lucky seat, your team could lose. So don't leave your lucky seat. But do pick up your phone or computer and order B-dubs to go. Or if you've got a big group, call in for the party menu. That way you can order wings, pick them up, and get back to your lucky seat. And if you do lose while sitting in your lucky seat, you can still feel lucky eating your feelings. Spicy feelings. Keep your superstitions. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings. Beer. Sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void were prohibited. What's up, guys? Organization Hoops Podcast. My name is Solomon Elite at Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. Here joined by Paul, aka at Rocket Intellect on Twitter. How are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Looking forward to this preseason game that I have to get up early in the morning to see. <laughs> yeah, the time zone's really screwed up for us. Uh, also joined by Taylor Pate at Taylor L Pate. How are you doing, man? I am doing pretty well. Also uh, excited to have a reason to wake up early. I guess. <laughs> First week of preseason action in the books. Uh, we have two games under our belts. Any thoughts, any takeaways from the first game that stick out to you? The offense looks awesome. Uh, that's my first takeaway. I expected the offense to be really good, but uh, I guess I sort I underestimated just how much D'Antoni improves the team's passing as a whole. You know, you saw a lot of awesome hardened passes these two preseason games, but you also saw like occasional dimes from guys like Trevor Ariza and Corey Brewer, which is certainly not something that I have seen. So that was rather surprising and very, very, very pleasing at the same time. And, you know, it's the defense hasn't been great, but I, the effort in the second game was actually pretty decent, especially on the boards. I You can tell that they've made an effort to improve the team's rebounding as a whole. So all of that, all of that is pretty, uh, a pretty pleasant development. Yeah. Um, I, uh, another one of those passers that's, that's been underrated is Capella uh, as the role man. Uh, we've seen some really nice dishes from him. Um, and then I think that, um, you know, you can really see that this offense has already, you know, put a lot of practice under their belt. Um, there doesn't seem like there's going to be any growing pains, um, no adjustment periods really. Um, and what I, I think what I really like so far is that even if Harden isn't able to create, it's not like Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon are just shooters. They are also creators and they can both get their own shot too. So I feel like you're going to see so uh, you know such a, a smaller amount of times where the the offense is stagnant and not moving, the ball sticking. Um, and I've seen 
the probably the biggest thing that I've noticed is that uh, on the weak side, we are getting wide open looks from three. Yeah, and the offense has been absolutely excellent. I mean, as of this moment, from the first two preseason games, and I know it's hard to take anything away from that first game against um, the Chinese national team against the Shanghai Sharks, but the offense as of this moment is averaging 123.9 points per 100 possessions. It's pretty insane. And actually, uh, you pointed out earlier that, uh, Paul, that the, the defense is putting forward pretty good effort, and you're right. There's six in the league in uh, defensive rating for this preseason, just behind the Celtics at 87.9 points per 100 possessions. The Rockets are giving up only 90.6 points per 100 possessions. The defense has been good. It's been good. And and granted, it's only been against the Shanghai Sharks and the New York Knicks, and we still have to to see how it does against uh, good offenses. But I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Um, And so far, I got to admit, I'm I'm really surprised at how K.J. McDaniels is playing. He's just been so good he's been like really bouncy he's been catching insane passes like his he has some of the best hands i've ever seen from a a player that young like he's his physical tools are just insane like he obviously he has a lot of great defensive tools and he has the tools to be a really good defensive player but his hands for catching lob passes are just insane that chemistry with harden and kj it's just it's it's fun to watch yeah uh i think that KJ is going to be pretty important to the team's success as a whole this regular season, especially looking at what he's done in the preseason. You get you start you realize just how little athleticism defensively the Rockets actually had. You know, Trevor Ariza and Corey Brewer are good athletes, but you didn't see any chase down blocks or any solid recoveries from their end, but you see KJ McDaniels blow by someone, get blown by on defense, and he just slaps the ball off of a bat off of the backboard and makes up for it. It's an exciting thing to see. Uh, he can be, as I think our new writer Kyle pointed out, I think he can be a really valuable asset as a roamer on defense. Yeah, and it's kind of been a it's kind of been interesting because we didn't. We didn't know coming in how much uh, KJ was going to get used. Um, you know, last year he pretty much got buried and only came in uh, in garbage time. And I think what you're seeing so far is another one of those D'Antoni, you know, aha moments where he comes in and spots a problem, says, hey, this guy's really good. He was, you know, um, a highlight reel on the Sixers. And, you know, he didn't do anything here because he didn't get any opportunity. Well, he's giving them the opportunity and um, while there's still some stuff that he has to clean up, uh, you know, uh, as an on-ball defender, he is such a good um, athlete. I mean, he, he's just so ridiculously athletic. He can jump, he can run, he's fast, um, and and he's strong too. Um, so if he can if he can get that that on-ball defense to to come up to the next level, I mean, he's going to be an otherworldly uh, a player for this team. Yeah, and something you pointed out earlier about him not getting playing time last year, I was really disappointed at the way J.B. Bickerstaff uh, utilized him. I think the only significant playing time he got was that one game where the Rockets uh, pretty much used him to get into the penalty so they can do hack-a-shack on Andre Drummond. And that was pretty much it. And that was an embarrassing moment for the franchise and K.J. McDaniels. And yeah, I'm I'm really impressed. I think, I think you pointed out something on Twitter a few days ago, Paul, where you were talking about how K.J. had the highest 
net rating among the team. And in that short in that short amount of playing time, he was actually doing like some of the best played um, among just the, the bench guys that the Rockets saw all of last season. And so, yeah, I think he has the tools to become a good defender. I'm still, you know, I know you disagree with me, Paul. I'm still worried about that jump shot. I just think in today's NBA, it's really important. Sure, you can space the floor as a cutter, but that, like, I would prefer he can he at least hit, like, 35% on corner threes this season. If he can get there, I'm comfortable, but I, I'm in today's NBA, I'm just, I just really value that, the three-point shot. Um, and granted, um... You can you can uh, work ways around it, and KJ is good enough to to get playing time just on his physical tools alone. It, it's still something that concerns me a little bit. Right. Uh, obviously, the uh, preference would be for him to develop a three point shot. That's obviously what we all want. Uh, but it's probably if he's going to develop one, it's probably not going to be this year. I can see him like shooting like. 33% on like really low volume, but in reality, expecting him to make a jump this year is probably not the way to go, uh, but he's going to make up for it with this uh, the stuff that you mentioned, the cutting, uh, being able to run the floor, and obviously the defense. He's going to make up for that, and you know, Corey Brewer, uh, <laughs> I know you're not a fan of Corey Brewer, but Corey Brewer is also cannot shoot, obviously, and he still managed to find his way on the floor even the year before last, and he was maybe even good the year before last year, even though he couldn't shoot. So, you know, it's you can be an effective player if you can't shoot threes. It just makes it a little bit harder, but I think KJ can manage. Yeah. Um, I think they can find ways to use him that, that aren't the... Um, that aren't three-point shooting. Like like Paul said, I think low volume, um, you know, 33, 34% uh, shooter. Uh, that's, I mean, I'm okay with that. Um, I, I don't expect him to make a jump up to 37, 38%, anything close to that. Um, but he gives you so much in other areas that he doesn't necessarily have to do that to be effective. Right. If you use him, if you use him in lineups like a, uh, uh, if you use him in lineups with like Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson or Ryan Anderson and Harden or uh, some pe- uh, like some form of line some form of a lineup with like two elite shooters on the floor, I think that you can do reasonably well with him because he's. I don't think uh, he's bad enough to kill your offense, but I think he can really help the defense. In yeah. a lot of ways, and and his shot mechanics aren't terrible. Like he's not like Michael Kidd Gilchrist bad in terms of form. Like his form's actually hey, that's fixed now. Yeah, that's it, fixed. it's actually pretty decent. Like it, it's it's not it's not terrible. Like um, you can see a situation where he he's hitting, um, maybe not this year, but next year, thirty five percent on strictly corner threes. Uh, that's possible. You know, um, it, he, he's obviously been working with the shooting coach. It, it, it looks a lot better than what it was previously. Um, obviously, it's still not there yet, but you know, there's a future there. I, I would say, and um, and I think you guys are right. If if you surround them with a crap load of shooters, which the Rockets do have now, and it's pretty insane to to see Harden surrounded by surrounded by like four or five shooters on the court at all times. It's it's pretty surreal. Um, but if you surround KJ with a lot of shooters, I think you can make up with for that. Um, 
another thing, another takeaway I saw from the tr- the preseason, Nene looks good. Like, Nene looks really, really good. And I'm starting to warm, warm up to the idea of him starting, even though I would much prefer Capella start because I think he's ready. Um, if Mike D'Antoni deems him not ready, uh, Clint Capella, then I think uh, starting Nene for like the first half of the season and grooming Capella for the starting position, you know, giving him more minutes uh, slowly, a little bit at a time, I, th- I think there's a there's a justification for that, if you will. Yeah, uh, Nene's looked quite good. Uh, and he's, I don't know if he, I, I'm having a tough time deciding whether he's a better offensive, whether he's a better offensive choice than Capella is at this point, because I think Nene is a really good finisher and passer, obviously, but I think Capella brings you value as a role man and a lob man and, uh, offensive rebounds and whatnot. But I am. I'm I'm on the fence about Nene's defense. Uh, he's looked fine in the time that I've seen, but I just I'm not sure that I can trust a 35 year old center to be reliable on defense and be the primary guy when you're not like Tim Duncan or something. I think that Nene could have a really successful role in lineups that don't have Harden. Because I feel like you can run offense through him, and he's a good enough passer that you know from the post that he can um, that he can generate some offense that way. And I think that he would be like a, a sign of stability for bench units that don't include Harden. Um, and so that's why I, I still think that Capella being paired with Harden is the way to go. Um, you know, both for Capella's sake and for Nene's sake. Um, and I just think that. Nene is better for this team coming off of the bench. Yeah, and I would agree with you. I'm just saying I could I could swallow it. Like I would be totally okay with with Nene starting for like the first half of the season if the plan is to eventually start Capella. Because I agree with you, Paul. The amount of gravity Capella gets on those short rolls. I mean, Tom Haberstroh was talking about it like a couple years ago about the amount of gravity really really great role men have, and I think Capella has the potential to be a really really great role man. If if you give him the the opportunity to, because he draws a lot of a lot of attention, and with with three shooters around Harden at all times, and and a rolling Clint Capella, I think I think there's a way you can make it work in the pick and roll. Yeah, and I'm I I at this point I think that I would be able to manage uh, Nene starting as long as it wasn't the long term plan. Uh, I think it would need to happen eventually in this season because I just think you can't you can't rely on Nene realistically. He's just has too long of a history getting hurt and all that. So I think, you know, they talk about Capella's stamina and his energy a lot. They've done that a lot this preseason. So if they want to ease Capella into more minutes and let him come off the bench initially, I'm I'm fine with that since he's the future. Yeah, and we've been talking about a, a lot of role guys. Uh, I want let's, let's go ahead and start talking about the starters. Um, I want to talk about specifically Ryan Anderson and the amount of spacing he provides for James Harden. Like it really, like I, I knew he was a great shooter going in. I didn't know how deep he could go from beyond the arc. I'll be honest; I, I, I had no idea he could be he could stretch for up to like a foot or two beyond the three point line. And the amount of spacing that provides 
for everybody on the court and just opening up that paint a lot more compared to a guy like Terrence Jones or even Donatus Maniunas, even though Donatus Maniunas was an okay three-point shooter, that it's it's significantly like drastic. And it, and it's it's really refreshing on the eyes to see just that amount of spacing and that amount of shooting around James Harden. I, I was legitimately like so if it, it felt so weird seeing this amount of shooting on the court uh, from Patrick Beverly to Trevor Ariza to Eric Gordon, it's it's insane. Yeah, and it was nice because so much of last year's struggle was that James Harden they could just key in on James Harden. Um, you know, when he had the ball. And now the thing is, when when Ryan Anderson is that far behind the three-point line and stretching out defenders, you saw it um, on one of those plays against uh, against New York. Derrick Rose was guarding Harden, and um, Ryan Anderson was, you know, a, a few feet behind the three-point line. And, they're, you know, the defenders were just sucked over to that side of the court, so it left Derrick Rose one-on-one with James Harden, and he got a wide-open layup. I mean... That kind of stuff did not happen last year. Yeah, a lot of this uh, Ryan Anderson having a lot of range is really going to help Harden in his uh, uh, penetration. Uh, when you've got someone that, uh, when you've got a defender that has to worry about Ryan Anderson and has to stand that far back uh, away from the paint, it's just going to allow Harden. Uh, it's just going to uh, allow Harden to get into the paint, and they won't be there immediately. You know, they won't be just waiting for Harden to get into the paint. They're going to have to react once Harden makes his move, as opposed to already being there, and that makes a big difference. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, Paul, about Corey Brewer and, and possibly him having a resurgent season. I think I'm in on that. Like, like I, I know I made a whole bunch of jokes in the offseason about trade Corey Brewer and, you know, how I don't want him on the Rockets. I, I think I'm in on him having a resurgent season under Mike D'Antoni because he, he looked, the past couple of games, he looked pretty good. He looked pretty good, I'll be honest. And uh, I think this type of offense suits him very well. Um, you know, the amount of gambling he's going to be doing this season is going to be off the charts. And if the Rockets manage to force a whole bunch of turnovers this season, I think a lot, large part of it are going to come from Trevor Ariza and Corey Brewer. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested to see how many how much playing time he truly gets this year because under Mike D'Antoni, you know, the, the, the loyalties are gone. From from the previous coaching staff, all the, all loyalty everybody had to their reserves, it's, it's completely gone. Mike D'Antoni is going to start his own guys, and he's, and he's going to start his own reserves. So I'm interested to see just how key Corey Brewer is for the Rockets next season. Yeah, I certainly think that um, it... It can't get any worse for Corey Brewer than, than it was last season. Um, and I think a big part of that was just the the air around the team. I don't think anybody really was playing at their best, you know, other than James Harden. Um, and so I think even just the mentality of this team is different. And that alone will, I think, have Corey Brewer playing better. He's going to, you know, the... Every mistake that Corey Brewer made last year just seemed astronomical. And, um, you know, pretty much any time that anything like that happened, you think that, um, you know, uh, J.B. Bickerstaff would pull him off the court and say, hey, look, let's take a minute, calm down. Nope. He played <laughs> so many minutes and so many games where Rockets Twitter was, you know, going bananas trying to get him off the court. Um, but I do, I certainly think that... Um, he seems a lot more comfortable already. 
uh, Mike D'Antoni's uh, offense is, you know, great for a guy like him. Um, and he shoots the three point or he shoots the three ball well enough to, you know, to, to be relevant still. Yeah, and you said yeah. it. In terms of real plus minus, Corey Brewer was legitimately one of the worst players in the NBA last year. So I, I what you said earlier, it can't get any worse. I think that's an appropriate description. Yeah, and when you think about uh, Corey Brewer, and you can say what do you want about his defense, he does take a few too many gambles, and he's probably not a major plus on that end. He can be overrated on that end, but he does give effort on defense. And we we already know that the offense is going to be really good. And there's probably not much that you can do to make this offense not good. So having a bunch of uh, effort guys on defense can't hurt, in my opinion. Yeah, and I agree. Like Corey Burrow. Yeah, I agree. And so if I had to ask you, to, if I had to ask you guys to pick out an eight to nine man rotation, because that's usually what Mike D'Antoni likes to run with. Who would be those guys, and why? Why would you pick those guys? So an eight to nine man rotation consisting of this current roster. Uh, so you said current roster. So assuming Demo does not get back. Yeah, we're gonna assume. Uh, that. Yeah, right. Uh, so Harden, obviously. Uh, Eric Gordon, Capella, Ryan Anderson, and this isn't in, like in it, the order of which I say this is not relevant. Uh, Harden, Capella, Ryan Anderson. Nene, Beverly, Ariza, Brewer, KJ, uh, and am I missing someone? No, I think you named about pretty much everybody. Um, maybe Beverly. Yeah, I think you named Beverly. Uh, what about you? Yeah, um, I think obviously you're going to have um, your three offensive creators, you know, Harden, um, Anderson, Gordon. Um Ariza is obviously going to be very much in the mix. He's going to be our, you know, hopefully come back to his, his uh, great defensive ways. And, um, and we'll see, obviously, Capella. Um, Nene is going to be there. Um, and then you'll have guys like KJ uh, Brewer mixed in. Um, and, you know, uh, as, far as, as far as backup bigs, um, outside of uh, – outside of – Nene and, and Capella, you know, um, you're probably not going to see too much of, of the younger guys. Um, and it's kind of unfortunate because I think that Decker actually has a place on this team, um, but I don't think that he'll see it probably this year. Um, so, that you know, th- those those eight guys are probably my main guys. Yeah, and if I were to, if I had to pick, I'd probably say, obviously, I'll, I'll, say, I'll name the starting unit first. Uh, obviously, Harden, Beverly, Capella, Anderson, and Ariza. I think Capella will start. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and bet on that. But if, if Nene starts, I'm not going to blame Mike D'Antoni. He's obviously much smarter than me. Um, and for as far as the bench unit, I would say um, Brewer, Nene, KJ, and Gordon are probably going to be a likely bench units for this team. Uh, perhaps KJ doesn't see the floor. I hope not because... I think he's. I think he's earned his minutes um, in terms of the preseason. I know it's preseason, but he's he did enough last season. I think to justify giving him playing time, and I just think he's good enough. So yeah, I, I think I think that's a, that's a good nine man rotation for those guys. And yeah, I think we pretty much covered everything as far as these this last week of games. I want to go to give a quick shout out to the new guys at RenegadeNoobs dot com: Joshua Lewis, Trent Arnold, Kyle Chilek, 
Welcome to the team. Welcome to the team. And subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play Music. Give us a good rating. Give us a good rating if you like the podcast. If you didn't like the podcast, give us a good rating anyways. Because that's just the right thing to do. All right, good night, guys. Napa guy knows more isn't always better. Unless we're talking about full-size vans. These beasts do more than get you from A to B. They have so much space a man can live in it. With shag carpeting, waterbed, and a sweet lava lamp, these mobile abodes have all the comforts of home. With quality parts and plenty of Napa know-how, you can keep the original tiny house running longer, stronger. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. I've switched a lot of things in my life, but it's never worked out. I switched to being a vegetarian, but ate more bacon than ever. Every time I switch lines at the grocery store, I never pick the fast one. But one thing that totally worked out is I switched to Metro PCS and got a free Samsung Galaxy. Make the right switch, too. Move to Metro PCS and get a free Samsung Galaxy J7 with a huge 5.5-inch screen. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Plus sales tax. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details, terms, and conditions.